We wrap up our humility series this week. In two weeks, we're going to start a brand new series on a, we're going to be going through in our summer series, the book of Romans. So I encourage you to be a part of that. And we've got a special guest with us next Sunday for our anniversary. Um, Today, we are going to talk about uh, humility, position for greatness. But in part seven, we're talking about a cure for pride. How do we deal with pride and, 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 and what, are, what are the answers and, and solutions? What's the, what's the cure for pride? Well, when I, before the series began, I asked a group of believers, I said, when and where do you struggle with pride the most? And here were some of their responses. I don't like to ask for help. Well, what are they really saying? People might find out that I don't know everything. They also said this, I don't want people to see or know my shortcomings or flaws. What is the the motive behind that? People might find out I'm not perfect. I don't like to ask for directions. What are they really saying? People might think I'm stupid. I'm not transparent about my past or my family. People might judge me or think less of me if they really knew all about me. I don't talk about my problems. I hold it in. People may discover my life is messy. Can I just say my life is messy? Is anyone else's life messy? Can we just, you know, life gets messy at times, okay? And I don't, I don't want you to pay my way. What are they saying? I don't want you to think I'm poor or needy. And so one of the things that we see happening, if you're taking notes today, is this first statement. We hide behind pride to shield our insecurity. We hide behind pride to shield our insecurity. We put up our fronts and and, and we, we end up being prideful because of our insecure areas in our life. When Kim and I bought our first house, we'd been married about six months and we moved into our first house and uh, it was a little 1,200 square foot little garden home and we had this little patch of grass and so we just sprayed the, the hydro mulch stuff and it was so cool because grass is growing. But something else happened. A whole truckload of weeds started to grow. And so I would go out and I'd mow the yard and it looked good for about a day or two. And then all of a sudden, the weeds would start to grow stronger and taller than the grass, and my yard looked kind of shabby again. So I would go mow it again. And that's the way a lot of Christians approach their life and approach the way they live. They just keep cutting off pride. Yeah, I, I need to watch that. I need to guard the way I'm, 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 I'm talking, and, and I don't need to be prideful. But we need to deal with the root. When I sprayed the weeds to deal with the root of the weed, the weeds died. And I no longer had weeds, but I had to go to the root of the issue to find the solution. And the same is true in our relationship with the people around us. For many of you here, you don't have a problem with pride. You have a problem with insecurity. And it attacks us in many, many different ways and formats. In the Bible, we see that the very first human beings had insecurity. Eve was insecure. How was she insecure? God said you can eat of every tree of the garden except this one. And Eve was insecure because she didn't want to be left out. It's what happens to our teenagers today. They do things they wouldn't want to do because I wouldn't want to be left out. I wouldn't want to be the only one that hasn't. 
And so we do things that we wouldn't do. Adam was insecure because it was his task and his responsibility to oversee the garden and to lead his wife in a godly way. And when she said, let's go to the tree, let's have some fruit, Adam was insecure to tell his wife no. Because he said, if I tell her no, I don't want to eat the fruit, will she still love me? She's all I've got. If this one doesn't work out, you know... I don't know. I don't want to go back to being lonely again. We see in the Bible that Abraham, it says that he was married to an extremely good-looking, hot wife. And all the men said, amen, about your wife. Amen. Come on, man. That was, amen. All right. But watch his insecurity. They were going into this town, and he says to Sarah, she's so good-looking, he says, let's just tell him you're my sister. Who does that? The guy who goes, I really, I really don't deserve to be with someone who looks as good as her. I am insecure. Let's just tell him you're my sister. Why? So, because he didn't want him to kill him if they're married then guys might want to kill him to get to his wife. And he lets other men take his wife off, like on a date. You're insecure, Bubba. (laughs) And then we see Sarah was insecure about her inability to have children. What does she do? She's insecure. I can't have a baby. I need to have a baby. I want to have a baby. I want to give you a baby. Oh, I'm so insecure. Here, take the house cleaner. Make a baby with her. And Abraham's like, well, if you insist. (laughs) She was insecure. Moses, when God says, lead my people out of Israel, Moses came back to God and he said, Lord, I... Have a... Speech issue. I can't talk to the people. He had a speech impediment. God says, I, I, I don't see that. I see what I've called you to do. But we feel insecure. King Solomon had a thousand concubines and wives. Where was he insecure? Come on. How many do you really need? He's insecure. We see Isaiah has an encounter with God, and, and, and he says, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't deserve this encounter with you. He was insecure about his position with God. Gideon, an angel of the Lord, appears to him and says, you mighty man of valor. Gideon gets embarrassed, and, and he says, Lord, you, you've got the wrong person. I'm insecure. He said, he said I'm, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. I am the loser family, and I am the loser loser in the loser family he was insecure about his strength and his ability Jeremiah was insecure about his looks and his age he said Lord I'm I'm too young they won't listen to me they won't respect me what's your insecurity where are you insecure I've, I've put, a, I put three lines on your notes there that you can write down the three areas that you're insecure about and if, you're, if, you, if, you can't, if you don't think you have any, ask your husband or wife. They will help you write that list of where you are insecure. We get insecure about our looks, our weight, our ability, our achievements, our spiritual walk, self-doubt, our shortcomings and confidence. 
If you're taking notes, the root of pride is destroyed when we deal with our insecurities. The root of pride is destroyed when we deal with our insecurities, when we deal with the root problem. So here's what I want to do. I want to take the the few minutes we have left this morning, and I want to talk about the cure for the insecure. The cure for the insecure. How do we beat, how do we overcome our insecurities? If you're taking notes, number one, I live for an audience of one. I live for an audience of one. Our problems arise when we try and please everybody. When we try to make everyone else happy, it's guaranteed to make you unhappy. When you're trying to make this person happy and that person happy and this person happy and, and this one happy and I got to make my mom happy and I got to make my, my husband happy and I got I to gotta do all these things, you're going to end up unhappy. So who do we live for? Who do you serve? I love what Galatians chapter 1 says. Whoops, there it is. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Guess what? If I'm living to solely please my heavenly Father, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, guess what? If I'm living and honoring and serving and pleasing Him, my wife's going to end up pleased with me. If you're living and honoring and doing your all out to serve the Most High God, your employer's going to end up being pleased with you because you're living to please one our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, how do we, the cure for the insecure is my confidence comes from who I am in Christ Jesus. And could I add this? Not on what I do. Most of our insecurity, I, I am so secure when I'm in a room by myself. I'm the smartest one in the room. I'm the best looking in the room. I'm the wealthiest in the room. I... But where do we become insecure? When we get around other people. And all of a sudden we start matching and comparing and, oh, he's got this. And and, and, and how about going to the gym? Does anybody get insecure when you go to the gym? Right? And, And wait, I'll confess my insecurity. Has anyone ever done this? You're on the weight machine and you've got the little pin. And before you leave, you drop it a couple things. Come on, has anybody else ever done that? Do that next time. The next guy will be like, holy cow, I feel so insecure. Look what that guy did. And you just, thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Come on, has anybody else done that? All right, it's just me. Just pray for me. On your notes, my value is in who I am, not in what I do. My value is in who I am. Our security is not in what we have or what we know. It's in whom we belong to. And in your notes this morning, the last two pages, I borrowed this from Joyce Meyer and her website, Knowing Who I Am in Christ. There's almost 50 power statements about who you are in Christ and who you are in your position in Christ and and, and what God's Word says and declares about you. I, I, I put it on so you can tear off that page and then just keep it in your Bible and read it every morning. I, I dare you, when you grasp this, my value is in who I am, and you begin to understand who you are in Christ, 
It'll change the way you live, you walk, and you function in your daily life. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 says, we are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is that we it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Where does our qualification come from? It comes from God. He has qualified you. He has said you're valuable. He has said you are special. You've been created in his image and in his likeness. And I love Philippians 3.3 out of the old Amplified Bible. It says, For we Christians are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and by the spirit of God and exalt and glory and pride ourselves in what? This is the one area you can be prideful, that we are in Jesus Christ. And we put no confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh and on outward privileges, physical advantages, and external appearances. Where does the world put their emphasis? On physical advantage, outward privileges, and external appearances. We're not moved by that. We're not judged by that. Our confidence doesn't come from what we own, where we live, and how we look. Our confidence comes from God. That we have been adopted into the family of God. We are his sons and we are his daughters. Now, most of you have heard, if you've been around Rock, you've heard the story that that Kim and I, uh, the way God formed our family was through adoption. See, you have a baby and your child comes out and it's like, he's ours. She's ours. We chose our kids. And our kids grew up not thinking they're different and, and I didn't come out of mommy's tummy. They didn't think, they grew up thinking, wow, your mom and dad had to take you. My mom and dad, my mom and dad chose me. And that's the way God has treated us. He has chosen us. You are a chosen generation in Christ. He chose you to be a son or daughter. He he chose you to be grafted into his family. Why? Because he loves and values and esteems you. And Isaiah 54 and verse 17 says, No weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. And then look at this. This peace, this righteousness, this security... And triumph over opposition is what? Something you do. It's something that you you work at. No. It is a heritage of the servants of the Lord. It's a part of who we are. We get it because of what dad did, not because of what we did. We did it because of what Christ accomplished on the cross, not because we're goody two-shoes. And we, we have it because it's a heritage of the Lord. Now, when, when I get to heaven and, and, and the angel that's there to assist me and help me, and he's setting up my dish and my 2,000-inch TV <laughs> in my mansion, and he says, what do you want to subscribe? What would you like to have? I'm going to say, I want David and Goliath. I want, I want that. I want, I want to watch it like I used to watch reruns of Gilligan's Island. 
Do you know what, how many of you used to watch Gilligan's Island? You knew what was going to happen, right? You're showing your age, okay? I want to watch it over and over and over again. But here is what is so amazing. David is the least of all of his brothers. He has the least physical abilities. He is youngest by age, but he has a great confidence in his relationship as to who he serves and lives for. He shows up at the battle and everyone is afraid. Everyone is intimidated. Everyone is frustrated that this this giant keeps coming out and taunting them. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He says, I'll go to battle with him. And Saul tries to put his armor on him and, and David says, no, 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 haven't proved that. Haven't tested that. It's me, God, and slingshot. And look what he says to the Philistine. Think about, just for size sake, okay, think about a 13-year-old teenager. He's a teenager. We don't know if he's 13, 15, 16, but just think in size about a 13-year-old teenager and think in size if I was about 200 more pounds, linebacker looking, and about this, I'm six feet, and that's about two and a half feet, uh, taller than me, and some little squirt is going to come. Look at the confidence that he has who he is in God. You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head, and I'll get you and you, and he starts pointing out other people in the, in the Philistine army, and they're like, dude, who is this guy? This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you, you and 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 you, and you, big Baba, are going down first. Where does that confidence come from? That confidence comes from he knows his rights, his position, and his authority that he lives the Most High God, and there is no one that can compare to his God. No weapon formed against you can prosper. No weapon formed against you can succeed. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. God knows that you are his and that you belong to him and he is your God. Amen? And lastly, number three, the revelation of God's love drives out fear. The revelation of God's love drives out fear. When you grasp the length, the width, the depth and the height of God's love, it'll transform the way you live and the way you think. Because where do we feel insecure? I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I, I, I don't feel lovable. And we have a choice. Are we going to live and walk by our feelings of insecurity? Or are we going to respond to what the living word of God tells us and teaches us? 
Here's what it says in 1 John. And so we know and rely on the love of God that he has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that what? We will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You see, people think that God is, is uh, uh, just, just psycho. On one hand, he has a teddy bear, and he says, here, I love you, I want to make you feel better. And on the other hand, they see him holding a baseball bat saying, I will get you, boy. If you don't do what I tell you, I'm going to get you. The Bible says that God is love. There's no hate, there's no evil, but God loves you. Even when you and I feel unlovable and we don't feel we deserve his love, he still loves us. His love never changes, it never fades, it never goes away. He is consistent. And it says that we might have confidence on the day of judgment. So let's say you die going home today. Okay? For the believer, you're like, okay, cool, I'm good. You show up for judgment. And they go, and you know, there's a whole bunch of people... Are you going to be insecure? No, no, you go ahead. No, no, I don't want to go up there yet. No, no, you go ahead. No, no, no. If you're confident in God's love for you, you'd be like, hey, 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 open this gate. I'm here. Tell dad I'm home. You're not intimidated. You want to run to the arms of your father because you know he loves you. He forgives you. He's washed you. He's cleansed you. He's purified you. And it's not by the works and actions that you do. It's by the works and actions of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross that he paid the price for your sin and you are free. You say, oh, then if it's all been paid for, then I'm going to live the way I want to live. I don't choose not to sin because I'm not supposed to. I choose not to sin because I love my father. And him I want to please. And he loves me and I love him. And I want, to, I want to live holy and I want to live pure because I want to make dad proud. And I want dad to go, that's my boy. Welcome home, son, you good and faithful servant. On your notes, when you cut yourself down, you disagree with God and you agree with the devil. I'm so stupid. And the devil goes, yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Ah, I always blow it. I always mess up. Yes, you mess up every time. You're the worst of all the Christians on the face of the planet. And the enemy agrees with us. Let's set our mind, our thoughts, and our words in agreement with what God declares over us. Ephesians 1.4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Last thought, if we ever grasp how much God loves us, we will never feel insecure again. We'll never be afraid of our mistakes or weaknesses. We'll walk in a confidence with God. Live for an audience of one. Your confidence comes from who you are in Christ Jesus. 
and the revelation of God's love drives out fear and you have the cure for the insecure. Would you stand with me?